0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. I'm Anthony Giuliano, and my guest this week is Lauren Caggiano. Lauren, how you doing?
1: Doing well, and you got the name right. That is well, always a way to start the, out any conversation.
0: I had the privilege of working with your dad for a number of years, who most people knew as Chris Cage, which was probably his effort to make it easy for his name to be pronounced. So I learned the name, and I, too, am Italian, so I have a little bit of help on the pronunciation there. There you go. And I think I first met you through your dad. Is that correct? I believe so. So Chris was a – he had a marketing research business and – I remember he used to say, it's not market research, it's marketing research, and we worked with him frequently. Sadly, he passed away recently, but I'm sure he was a huge inspiration to you, and did he point you in the direction of the field you're in now at all, or did you find your own way there?
1: He did. So what I really appreciate about him, among other things, is when it was time to look at colleges, he had... Gently directed me to the University of Dayton, mm-hmm. his alma mater. Yep. Um, we looked at other schools, Ball State for yep. one, but UD came through with the most generous package yep. and here I am. But uh, yeah, he studied broadcasting there.
0: Well, he had one of the best radio voices I've ever heard. And when I put on the radio voice you heard in the intro, your dad is somewhere in the back of my head coaching me along with that radio voice. Well, let's talk a little bit more about your career path. One of the things I like to hear from people is what you were thinking about career-wise as you were making your way into adulthood and then where you ended up whether that was where you thought you'd be or whether you pivoted. And I'm super interested in hearing more about your story because you've gone in simultaneously like three different directions, which we'll talk about. But where did you begin and where did you go from there?
1: Sure. So I began really in the the journalism track. That was my undergrad along with French double major. Um, Did several internships in college in journalism, public relations, marketing, fundraising. And then – I relocated back to Fort Wayne, I guess, re relocated, I don't know. So returned. grew up there,
0: went to Dayton, came back.
1: <laughs> yes, grew okay. up grew up in Fort Wayne. I'm one of those, I was not born here, but I was raised here. Got it. So I came back 2007. If you know anything about financial crisis, I was really on the bubble of getting a job, yeah. which I did at Business Weekly, mm-hmm. Greater Fort Wayne Business Weekly. Yep. Did that for a couple of years. Enjoyed the work, but... Um, as with the case with a lot of first jobs, it just did not provide enough for the, uh, the fun yeah. <laughs> elements of my life. So that's how I got into freelancing. Okay. Uh, met a couple people that really influenced me in that way. Also had connections, fortunately. And before you knew it, I had, uh, as my dad would say, I was moonlighting. Yeah. And that's really how I got into marketing. Um, well, and the internship that I did at Parkview Health. So shout out, Parkview Health Marketing Department. Awesome experience.
0: Okay. And when were you there? Remind me, when were you at Parkview?
1: I was there in the summer of 2006.
0: Okay. All right. So I ask because I was there from 98 to 03. So we didn't quite overlap year after that. Okay. So you do some internships then you start doing some freelancing mm-hmm. and if i'm not mistaken you were freelancing writing journalistic style in english but you also do some french translation you mentioned that you double majored in in french and uh, journalism how did you get an interest in french and what do you what did you do with that professionally how did you turn that into a sideline
1: sure well it's literally in my blood so my grandmother who is still alive almost 98 was a french war bride ah okay so uh, my father did not really take up the language. Uh, I think sometimes when it's your parents, you know, the last thing you want to do is follow in their footsteps. It's not cool, but yeah. it skipped a generation. So uh, I actually started taking French really the second I could in, mm-hmm. I believe, seventh grade. Okay. And uh, so from seventh grade uh, onward to um, I actually finished my French degree in three years in okay. college. So, yeah, that's that's – it's, it's my cultural background, ethnic right. background.
0: Okay. Now, have you ever been there? Have you ever been? Six
1: times. Oh wow.
0: Okay. All right. Well, that's great. So, the the work you did. I'm going to take us back. Internship at Parkview, and you start doing some freelance. What else were you doing career wise as you were building sort of that freelance uh, portfolio, if you will?
1: Sure. Um, honestly, in this, maybe you'll ask this later in the conversation, but making lots of connections. Mm-hmm. So. You had started out by mentioning my father, who, yep. um, you know, his name had preceded him. Fortunately for me, he had a good reputation. So, um, although I really was cautious not to ride on his coattails, so uh-huh. to speak. Yeah. So, I really tried to blaze my own trail and meet as many people as I could. Yeah. And Uh, a couple years' time.
0: Yeah. Well, it's tough when you have a name as unique as Caggiano or, in my son's case, Giuliano, where everyone immediately assumes, rightfully so, that you're related to someone who they knew a generation (laughs) previously. So I applaud you for kind of navigating your way through that and not over-leveraging it. Um, So tell us about your—because not only do you do a little bit of French translation, not only do you have now a a burgeoning and— successful freelance writing business, but you also do some personal training. Is that correct? So talk about from double major in French and journalism to French translation and freelance writer. Why did you take an interest in personal training and how did that fit in and how does it fit into all the other stuff you do?
1: Sure, sure. Well, it stems from my personal story. So I was, once upon a time, about 10 years ago, I was obese. I was sedentary. I was at risk for every preventable disease. And I just, quite frankly, was unhappy with Mm -hmm. my quality of life. Mm -hmm. So I took the steps to um, seek the goal of uh, being healthier. Mm -hmm. Uh, Along the way, I myself was a client at a gym. Mm -hmm. Was really inspired by the personal training there. Um, asked a lot of questions of them to determine, you know, is this something that I would want to do, even on the side as a gig? Mm-hmm. And yes, it was. So fast forward, uh, took the exam. I became um, certified through the American Council on Exercise in, I believe, 2018. Okay. So, yeah, it's been four years.
0: All right. And and is there a recertification process that you have to go through, or are you good for a while?
1: There is. It's every two years, and, in fact, I'm working on that right now. Uh, I'm getting my health coaching certification as if I don't have enough <laughs> yeah. on my plate.
0: Yeah. So, so is it true that uh, I'm guessing here? But in terms of freelance writing through WriteOn, which we'll get into in a minute, your LLC, I would assume that's 75 to 80 percent of your professional life, and the French translation is maybe five percent, sometimes 10 percent, and the personal training is 10 percent. Do I have my math right there, ish?
1: I would think, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, The French translation, given that I do work for a service that is on demand, it is is very intermittent. So some months I might have a project a week, and then other times I won't hear from the client for months, and that's just the nature of the beast.
0: Sure. So how do you keep that skill fresh when you're doing it intermittently?
1: Sure. Well, my grandmother is a great resource. Uh, I try to visit her at least once a year. Okay. Um, I also have a cousin who uh, relocated to the Boston area. Mm-hmm. She met an American, so and she's bilingual, so we, we use WhatsApp. Which yeah. Is, uh, yeah. So um, when I have the time, I try to read French publications, but that's – And a few and far between.
0: Sure, sure. Okay. So let's go back to Write On, which is the name of your LLC. Great name, by the way. Um, You work with Asher and I'm certain other entities and clients directly. Explain what your LLC is, the work that you do, and some of the things that you're working on at any given time.
1: Sure. Well, I like to tell people I'm a creative writer and sometimes when I educate people on what that means, it helps to tell them what I don't do. Mm -hmm. So I say, Mm -hmm. there's three areas. Do not do business plans. Do not do grant writing. And I do not do technical writing. I'm not going to write a manual on how to put together a lawnmower or an Ikea desk.
0: So, so technical writing, I fully understand why you would not want to be in that business. But grant writing, that interests me because I actually thought that's something you did. I, I'm wrong again. Why did you decide grant writing is not for you? Is it just too, uh, for want of a better term, boring? Is it not something you want to get into? Tell us why not grant writing because it could be a lucrative business, right? Sure,
1: sure. Um, a couple of reasons. The nature of the writing, oftentimes it's – there isn't a lot of room for creativity. It's mm-hmm. reporting on, okay, we're going to help X amount of kids and do yeah. XYZ with these funds. And there's just not a lot of room for massaging it sure. into a narrative that's creative. So sure. there's that. And then um, just the business model of it. Sometimes, depending on the case, the client will pay you after assuming they get the grant.
0: Uh-huh. So you may do a lot of work for not much return. Yes. Okay, So – um Do you do mostly long-form writing, or do you do headlines and ad copy? Do you do writing for the web? Do you do writing for digital? What are some Mm -hmm. of the things that are more typical in the work that you do?
1: Honestly, everything. It's funny you say um, ad copy. I just got a request to do some Google ad copy. Um, So that would be an example of the very short form. Yeah. But um, just uh, penned a white paper for a client, and so that was uh, several pages long. Very a lot of research, research behind that. Um, that's another skill I bring to the table through the journalism background. Mm-hmm. You know, you want me to write about a COVID home test? <laughs> sure, I'll do that. Or you yeah. want me to write about a breed of a chihuahua? Sure. Yeah. Whatever it takes, I'll, I'll put in the time.
0: So, so in addition to doing commercial writing, you're also still writing for publication. I think Input Fort Wayne is a publication you write for. Yes. Is, are there others, and is, are those recurring gigs, or are they just sort of whenever the need is there?
1: Sure. Uh, most of them are recurring, I would say. Um, a couple of them are kind of more um, dependent on the budget, whether they have the resources to bring in freelancers. Um, and so, yeah, that is a separate – so I kind of group my – business into different buckets, if you will, um, just from a standpoint of just helping the public understand and then also ethical standpoints. So if I'm covering, you know, I'm trying to think, a new business opens up mm-hmm. and I happen to have written the copy for their website, I really can't write about them for, you know, the Journal Gazette.
0: Sure, website. sure, so. sure. Okay. All right. Well, kudos for having those ethics. That's good. Um, all right. So you've got uh, right on, which is the majority of your professional life. You're a personal trainer. You do some French translation. And on top of that, you recently had a health event that I'm sure took up a lot of your time and energy. If you don't mind, tell us a little bit about that and how that has impacted your professional life.
1: Yes, yes. So uh, in December, I was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer, the most common form. It's called invasive ductal carcinoma. Before December 3rd, I had never heard those three words put together. Uh, But the prognosis is great. I have responded tremendously to treatment. Everything has gone as well as it could. Um, But yeah, it has been, as someone who tends to overextend herself, (laughs) I've had to really reel myself back in and... um, Guess the silver lining is it's helped me focus on what matters mm-hmm. um, in every facet, personally and professionally. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've worked through treatment the whole time and I, I intend to. I have about another round of treatment here left, and God willing, I'll be done with this nightmare. It'll be in the rear view mirror.
0: Well well, I, I applaud you for still working through all that, and it's, it's great to hear that you've come through it with not only some new perspective but with your health intact. So good, good for you, and, and, and good for all of those of us who depend upon you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the name right on. How, it's, a, it's a great name. It's really catchy. How did you come to that?
1: Sure, well, it's one of my catchphrases. I say right on, obviously yeah. with an R, and so when it came time to do the bureaucratic paperwork, I thought, well what what's available? you know, you have to uh, consider the business entity um, if there's another entity already of that name in your state, I believe you can't both yeah. have that name, so it was limited to a certain extent by that, but uh, it was available, and it just seemed. Quippy and a little quirky, which is how I would describe myself. So,
0: and did you come up with it on your own? I know sometimes, as as someone who is a recovering English major but still does some writing, it's way easier to write about other people's stuff than it is to come up with stuff for yourself. So, did you have any help with it, or did you do it on your own?
1: I believe I might have done a crowdsource via Facebook. Okay, but I, I think I had already kind of decided on it, but I wanted the validation. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, great. All right. Well, we're going to pivot to some of the more pithy and succinct questions that I ask, although I don't always ask them in a pithy and succinct way, but hopefully we'll get through this pretty quickly. I'm looking for, just off the top of your head, answers to a few different questions. One has to do with career success. You've done a lot of different things. At a very young age, you've had some success in building your own business despite some challenges you've persisted through on the way. What's the one thing you've learned through all that that you think is most important for people to hear, your best career advice?
1: Sure. I would say do internships. Uh, Ideally paid, but doesn't have to be because that's going to, for one, help you hone your skills. Mm -hmm. And you're going to make some relationships that hopefully you can leverage later on, mm-hmm. um, especially if you aren't f- from the area. Let's say you move to go to school at Purdue, Fort Wayne, or St. Francis, or wherever. Likely, you don't have that network. Mm-hmm. So, building your network, and then I guess on a related note, is um, you know m- uh, strengthening relationships. So whether that's saying, "Hey, I'd like to buy you a cup of coffee." I would love some advice. Would you let me take you out? <laughs> you know, yeah. and I think there's a way of presenting it where it's clear what your intentions are and that you are you're valuing them as an expert.
0: Yeah, well, and I really love what you said there because you know, what, as I've gotten a little older, one of the questions I get asked from younger professionals and college students is, they'll say, "Well, how do you get experience when every job requires experience?" And there's a number of different right answers to that question, but it all comes down to relationships, that if you have a good relationship, someone will take a chance on you much more so than if you're just another resume. And, you know, internships are a great, great way to show people what you're capable of and to make it more likely they'll say, yeah, let's give this person a shot. So I think there's a lot of good advice in that, but it's not just internships. It could be informational interviews or it could just be, as you mentioned, reaching out and making the connection. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about the world of freelance writing. Um, and you can pinpoint this to your LLC or you can make your answer more broad if you would like. This is your story, not mine, so you can do whatever with do what with, with it whatever you want. But when it comes to the world of being a freelancer, being a professional writer, what's something you think is a myth that you want to bust or something that's underappreciated that you want to shine a light on?
1: Sure. I would say that – so usually when you work with a a freelance writer, you're getting – at least in my case, I guess I can't speak for other people. Um, I like to say that you're getting a package. So if and when you need graphic design, video, photography, any sort of creative, you can call on me and I know who to call, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So again, the relationship aspect. I would say – Another myth, and this is a very specific uh, stereotype, is that, you know, we're sitting in our basement or something at 3 a.m., <laughs> just slouched over. Yeah. No, no. Um, I go to a co-working space not far from here, the atrium. Okay. Shout out to Start Fort Wayne. All right. So that allows me to be social. And even if I am not interacting with anyone, it's still being around people and having that kind of dull noise in the background. Yeah. Um, it really helps me, believe it or not, focus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so sidebar question during quarantine, how did you deal with that? Cause I, one of the things that was many, one of the many epiphanies I had during that time is when quarantine first hit, I was like, I'm built for this. I can work from home. I can work remote. But after about six months, it was like, I don't really want to work from here anymore. And I had the good fortune of having an office to go to. So was this something, did you discover the atrium and coworking prior to quarantine? And if so, what did you learn in quarantine or, and where did you go and how'd you deal with all that?
1: Sure. Yeah, I've been a member for four years. So yeah, long before COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, how did I deal with it? I'm trying to remember. It seems like so long ago. I don't think terribly well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As someone who's very extroverted, um, and at the time, my husband was working from home and f- for us, we found this kind of yin and yang where it really works better if I'm gone. About half the time, and mm-hmm. you know it, we just work better yeah. independently. Yeah. So yeah, um, I know that they they did close for whenever the governor had the order. I, I think it was a couple months. So, yeah. um, I did go back with precautions, pretty much when that was allowed. So
0: yeah, so it wasn't a, a real long time, but enough to make you appreciate it, maybe even more. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Last quick hit question. What is a tool or hack or app or trick or whatever you want to call it that you use in your work that is important to you that you think deserves a little bit more praise? Now, this could be something really simple. It doesn't have to be a tech tool. It could be analog, but something you depend on that you think more people should appreciate.
1: Yes, two things. Uh, First of all, the StoryBrand Framework, Mm -hmm. SB7, uh, by Donald Miller. The book, I think it's called Building a Story Brand or Building a Brand Story might have it backwards. Okay. In any case, look it up. Um, I did the audiobook version, but there's also a print version, of course. Uh, yeah, that is something that I try to integrate into each and every project, no matter how small.
0: So tell us a little bit about why that resonated with you.
1: Sure. Well, I felt in examining certain types of marketing, it, it always seemed to fall flat. And, and now I know why. It's because the customer was not the hero. Mm-hmm. The brand was the hero. And so it just doesn't resonate with people, most people. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's one of the advantages that someone like yourself or an agency brings to the table is objectivity. We see it more like the customer sees it. And people get really excited about their products. They'll be like, yeah, let's talk about all the, you know, the, the features and all this. And we're kind of like nobody cares unless they know how it impacts other people. Yes. So I think there's something to that. All right. So you mentioned StoryBrand as one. What's the other tool, tip, trick that you have up your sleeve that you use in your work?
1: Yes. It's called Otter. It's an app. Um, so Otter, like
0: O-T-T-E-R?
1: Like Yes, like the river animal. Okay. Yes. All so right. it, it will record your conversations, and then you can have a transcript or, I believe, audio emailed to you. So for me, I use it every day, literally, because I'm constantly interviewing people or taking information, and I need to have it... Um, as someone who has ADD, sometimes it's hard for me to capture that information mm-hmm. the information on the first go. And so no matter how thorough my notes are, I always seem to miss something. And so that helps... And then plus it's good just to have documentation, right? If someone says the sky is red, and but you heard the sky is blue.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and so what's the fidelity? Is it pretty – I know it's never 100% when it's voice transcription, but how how close is it if you had to give it a, a letter grade or a percentage?
1: I'd give it an A, honestly. Um, so the benefit that you have is that since you have the original audio, you can go back and listen, and then, you know, if it, if it says, oh – the person said dog, but they said God. Well, mm-hmm. then you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, is, it, um, is this something you use on phone calls? Is it just when you're face to face? Is it for all different types of interactions?
1: Really, all context, yes.
0: Cool. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's one I hadn't heard of. So, my sneaky little secret in doing this podcast is to learn everyone's tricks and then steal them and claim them as my own. So, there you go. I'm going to take a look at Otter. Well, Lauren, for that and many other reasons, I appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much. It's good to hear your story, and thanks for working with us at Asher. I love it. All right. Well, great. And thanks to everyone who took the opportunity to listen to this episode of the Asher Marketing Podcast. We'll be back next week with another great guest, and we hope you'll join us then.